When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on Millennial, we'll be joined by Rebecca of Dollar Tree Dinners, who explains why more people are turning to dollar stores to food shop. Because their food sales have skyrocketed in the past six months or so, they're getting more inventory. And so every week I go to Dollar Tree and they have all sorts of new products. And later. Do you think Lionsgate is like kicking themselves for not doing this because obviously Netflix is getting away with recreating Squid Game without the death. I bet they thought of it. Actually, didn't they say they were going to do a Hunger Games theme park? That happened. There's there like... is one? I just feel like everybody in that room needs to look like they're having more fun. <laughs> oh, you didn't like how Ben Affleck looked super bored and needed a Dunkin' Donuts? He looked so disappointed. Yeah. This is the best way to watch the Grammys. You do like three other things away from the Grammys in the middle of the Grammys, and you'll still see a ton of the Grammys. Welcome to Millennial, the home of pretend adulting and real talk. I'm Andrew. And I'm Pamela. Laura isn't here this week. I think she was really upset at that review that we got last week, though I do have a very good review focused on her, but we'll save it for next week's episode when she's back. Yeah. Laura isn't here. However, we have a great show today. We have an interview with Rebecca of the very popular TikTok channel, Dollar Tree Dinners. And having Rebecca on was actually inspired by the story that you found recently about the rising popularity of going to dollar stores like Dollar Tree and Dollar General to shop for food. That's right. So Vice put out this story that said exactly what you were saying. And they were basically reporting on a recent study that was published by the American Journal of Public Health. And they were the ones that found that a growing number of Americans are actually turning to dollar stores, in addition to larger shopping centers like Costco, to shop for food in lieu of hitting up traditional grocery stores. So Obviously, the Costco angle probably doesn't come as a surprise to anybody that's listening. We talk a lot about Costco on this show. I know Andrew and I both love a Costco huge deal. Fan, huge fan. Yeah. Right. And actually, I'm one of those people <laughs> who has basically shifted their food shopping to Costco. I, I get my primary stuff there and Trader Joe's. Right, exactly. But the dollar store angle was particularly interesting, and the three of us found it interesting. Uh, This study also found that dollar stores are the fastest growing retail channel for food purchases. Um, They had an 89.7% increase over the last 10 years or so between the years of 2008 to 2020. And they also found that households in the South are more likely to spend money on food at dollar stores, and people in rural areas are also more likely to shop there. So they saw an increase in people grocery shopping at dollar stores in rural areas as well. So that is actually due in part to the fact that there's been an increase in new locations sprouting up in rural areas. So just to put that into a little bit of context for all of you, Dollar General, which is one of the larger chains, opened 111 locations last year. And in 2023 alone, they plan to open 
another 1,050 locations in the United States. So they're growing at a rapid rate. I don't have the number for Dollar Tree locations, but I know that I can personally vouch for the fact that I've seen a lot of new ones popping up as well in my area. Me, Me too. And driving, I do some driving through the desert out here. And I mean, leaving Vegas and going to, say, Palm Springs, L.A., Joshua Tree. And you go through some pretty remote areas to get between these cities. And I the first couple of times I did this, I was very surprised by how many Dollar Generals I was seeing. I did not expect that. Now, thanks to this article and the interview that we're about to have today, I know why. Exactly. So... There are some challenges that this poses for people, and the study covers that as well. Uh, Namely, the biggest one is that dollar stores tend to offer foods that are mostly packaged, they're higher in calorie, they're lower in nutrients, and there's just overall, there are way less fresh options at dollar stores as well. But there are a number of reasons that they've been rising in popularity, nevertheless. And the main reason why is because they actually might be closer in location. So this ties in really nicely to your point about driving through the desert and (laughs) seeing basically nothing except for a Dollar Tree in these smaller uh, communities. It's like their convenience store, 7-Eleven. Right, exactly. This is also helpful for people that maybe can't afford the gas that it might cost to drive to grocery stores that are a little bit further away or people that don't have access to cars. And to that point as well, dollar stores in general are cheaper. And so that's really helpful for people that are either low income or living on an extremely tight budget. So lots of reasons why people are turning to these locations to do the bulk of their grocery shopping, even if, you know, it doesn't sound like something that would be ordinary for you if you do still do your grocery shopping at, you know, Safeway, really, stuff like that. Well, and the popularity of Dollar Tree dinners on TikTok, I think, speaks to how more people are turning to the dollar stores. And with that said, why don't we jump into our interview? Sounds good. We are now joined by Rebecca of Dollar Tree dinners on TikTok. Hi, Rebecca. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure to have you. We're really excited to have you on. Rebecca has built nearly 700,000 followers on TikTok thanks to her videos in which she's explaining how to make good meals for low prices. So, Rebecca, to kick things off, can you tell our listeners what you do over on TikTok? Because we stumbled upon your account and we were really impressed by your content. Yeah, so I I basically have a cooking channel, but it's not your average cooking channel in that I make recipes exclusively from ingredients that can be purchased at Dollar Tree. And how did you get started with the idea for doing that? Did it come out of necessity in your own life or was it just having grown up shopping a lot more at the Dollar Tree? Uh, No, actually. So it was kind of one of those things that I just stumbled upon one day, essentially. Um, So it's a funny story, but my boyfriend used to go to work at five o'clock in the morning and I didn't start my job until 830 in the morning. So I spent a lot of time on YouTube, basically watching videos in between. And at one point I stumbled across uh, like a string of videos about people who were doing Dollar Tree cooking videos, particularly people who are living on like 10 to $15 a week from Dollar Tree and just showing all of these different things. And I remember thinking to myself, like, there's no way Dollar Tree sells all that food. And so I went on my break and went to my local Dollar Tree and found everything I saw online and was like, this is like a totally untapped market. Like people don't realize that there's this kind of grocery avenue right here. 
And pretty much that day when my boyfriend came home from work, I was like, I want to make Dollar Tree cooking videos. And that's how it was born. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, it's it's interesting because when Pam showed me your TikTok channel, I kind of had the same thought as you did prior to starting the channel. Like, you don't really expect Dollar Tree or dollar stores in general to carry food. And yet many of them do. So now you've had all the success and we encourage everybody to check out Rebecca's TikTok because she has tons of very cool videos and interesting videos up. What what types of viewers are you seeing? Are, do you have any like surprises in terms of like the demographics? Maybe you notice them through the analytics that TikTok gives you or in the comments? So the majority of my viewers are female and a lot of them are single moms who are just trying to make ends meet and trying to feed their kids. And so they come to my platform for resources and information about how to cut their grocery budget or how to make a very small grocery budget work and feed their family for a whole week. That's incredible. Um, I'm also curious about whether you've seen a shift in the types of people that are maybe leaving comments uh, in light of inflation and the recession that's going on. I feel like we're all kind of a little bit more strapped because things are just getting more expensive. So in that regard, um, in order for there to have been a shift, I would have had to have been doing this for a longer time than I have. I've only been doing this for about seven months. And so I kind of started this mid-inflation. And I think that that's part of my success was that prices were already on the rise. And I started making these TikTok videos geared towards like eating on a budget. And I wasn't really doing it with the intent of negating inflation. But I think that that's why I've been so successful so rapidly is because inflation has been happening at the same time that I created my content. What would you say is the most common misconception people have about shopping at an affordable store? Like we just discussed the food that they carry it as a surprise, but any other misconceptions? So a common misconception and one that I combat pretty frequently on my channel is just that, you know, there's a lot of people who will commonly comment that, you know, Walmart and Aldi and things like this are cheaper. So I think that there's a misconception that Dollar Tree is the cheapest option because it's a dollar store and it's by far not the cheapest option. And I do know that going into it. Um, but when I'm making these videos and making this content, I'm I'm delving into the concept of who is shopping at Dollar Tree. So usually it's someone with limited access to transportation, someone who lives in a food desert, even a college student who has to who has a dollar store close to their dormitories, things like that. And so my content's geared towards them, but there's also this kind of demographic in which if you only had 20, 30, 40 dollars a week to spend on food, the $1.25 set pricing structure can be incredibly valuable to you because it allows you to get a lot more variety for a small amount of money. It's funny you mentioned that about, uh, you know, the food desert or people just, you know, college kids specifically looking to feed themselves with a smaller budget, because we actually saw this article that Vice put out about a recent study that kind of covers just what you're talking about, which is that there's a, a growing number of people that are shopping at dollar stores because it's either closer to them geographically or because like they can't even afford to, you know, take the bus or take their cars to stores that are further away. Um, I'm wondering, as a result of, you know, more dollar stores popping up, I don't know if you've noticed this in your area, but like in mine, there are three dollar stores within like a 10 mile radius now, mm -hmm. which is crazy. Um, do you find that the kinds of items that they're carrying has 
uh, diversified more as a result of how many are popping up? Like, do you feel like you've noticed in recent months that they're carrying a little bit more different stuff than they used to when you first started out seven months ago? Yeah, absolutely. So in a sense, the the past seven months or so, we've seen a really big shift in particularly Dollar Tree's inventory. I don't really delve too much into Dollar General or Family Dollar content, mostly because um, the prices at those stores would vary. Um, someone living in New York would pay a different price than I would pay here in Virginia. Whereas with the Dollar Tree, everything's $1.25 in most locations, regardless of their actual physical locations. So it's really easy for me to kind of broaden my horizons and who I'm targeting in my audience. Um, but, but over the past seven months or so, and I think there's some articles that touch base on this too, Dollar Tree has seen kind of their record highs in food sales. And they're trying to tap into the food market a little bit more because I think that before they were more geared towards organization and craft, but because their food sales have skyrocketed in the past six months or so, they're getting more inventory. And so every week I go to Dollar Tree and they have all sorts of new products and their inventory is sort of a revolving door on its own because sometimes they get overstock deals or warehouse deals and stuff like that. But they're definitely expanding their market and you can see it week by week, the shift in what's being offered. That's really good to know that Dollar Tree sticks to a dollar twenty-five, whereas these others are liars, or at least <laughs> there's some varying prices. Anyway, so what is your process? What does your planning process look like when it comes to creating content for your TikTok? Do you go into a shopping trip having an idea of what kind of recipes you want to uh, workshop for the week or or shoot for the week, or do you let the inspiration come to you depending on what's in the store any given week that you're going in there? So it's actually a little bit of both. I do try to go in there with somewhat of a plan of like what I want to make, but their inventory is kind of sporadic and they're always sold out of certain things. So if I see something one week, I can go back the next week and it's gone. So I can plan, but my plans are often kind of fruitless. So I usually have to think on the fly while I'm there and come up with some different ideas while I'm shopping. Okay. This is like a reality show you can kind of document on TikTok. Like I was planning to include the peaches this week, but they're not here. So I'm going to have to come up with something else. Ah. Yeah. And actually some of my most popular videos on TikTok are just the ones where I go in and shop at the dollar store versus the actual recipes that I make. Sometimes people are just interested in what they're offering. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's kind of like a treasure hunt. I've uh, my parents and me to some extent, we're kind of into these videos on like YouTube where people are just taking you along shopping at like Costco or a Trader Joe's or wherever else because there's typically some new stuff. So it's it is a fun adventure in some ways. Yep. We also noticed that you started dipping your toes into trying to uh, create meals that are a little bit healthier because, you know, I think one of the drawbacks of Dollar Tree specifically is that it's more processed packaged shelf um, stored food. I'm wondering if the idea to do that came from your commenters asking for things that were maybe lower in sodium or diabetic friendly, or if that was something that you realized would benefit you as well as somebody that's, you know, trying to make all this food and try it out for your audience? Yeah, it was mostly it was mostly my commenters. You know, I I gear my audience, I'm sorry, I gear my content towards my audience that I'm out there to help as many people as I possibly can. And that that again, delves into the concept of who would be shopping at Dollar Tree. And so one of those people 
one of those kind of demographics or groups of people. And I frequently see this even when I'm at the store shopping is usually kind of elderly folks who have a little bit more limited transportation, but they also have restrictions as to what they can eat. Like you mentioned, diabetes, high blood pressure and things like that. And so it wasn't originally my idea to delve into the dietary restrictions, but because of consistent comments that I had coming in, I realized that there was a need for that as well. Was that particularly challenging for you? Did it take longer to formulate a video like that than it would like a normal Dollar Tree video? Yeah, it does. Cause you know, you're, you're having to be a little bit more attentive. Like I've, I've tried, um, gluten-free. Um, so I've done some dairy sensitivities, allergy friendly meals and stuff like that. And personally, I I'm not gluten-free. I don't have any food allergies. I don't have hypertension or diabetes or anything like that. So it's, it's changing the way that I look at food and the way that I purchased food, because you're having to all of a sudden read all of the ingredients on things, read nutrition labels. It takes a little bit more time to formulate a menu or a meal plan. And I can see how something like that would be so strenuous on someone to do day after day and week after week. So that's where you come in. (laughs) (laughs) I try to. Yeah. What are five items, speaking of specifics, people should get at dollar stores over regular stores, maybe because it's cheaper and because the quality hasn't been sacrificed? So if, you know, we're talking about basic essentials, you know, you've got your pasta, your beans, and your rice, and those are always a good value at Dollar Tree. Um, When it specifically comes to pasta, a lot of times people think it's cheaper at Walmart, but the box of pasta that Dollar Tree sells is a lot larger of a box than the one at Walmart. So it works out Uh. to be about the same price. Um, The beans and rice are a really good value because it's a two pound bag of rice for $1.25. It's a one pound bag of dry beans for $1.25. Um, they also do have a selection of, um, like their snack, vid- their snacks are actually a really good selection for the great price. Like if you only had 10 to $15 a week to spend on snacks for your family, your kids, like you could get a lot more for your money versus like $5 bags at regular grocery stores. I know that that's not the most nutritionally content, but it does work. They also sell things like cheese and meats and not always fresh meats, mostly frozen meats or canned meats. Um, they particularly like to buy their meatballs because you get about 10 meatballs for $1.25, which isn't a bad deal if you're spe- if you're only feeding a small family or only yourself particularly. Yeah. And one good tip for everybody, I was looking at the Dollar Tree website the other night, and I noticed if you go to the store finder, you can actually hit a check mark to only show you locations with refrigerated or frozen items. And the reason I bring that up is because my closest Dollar Tree, which I went into in the last week, didn't have a refrigerated section. So I was missing some of the food that like you describe in your TikTok. But I'm sure if I went into one of these ones that had more of the cold or or frozen stuff, I'd find a lot more of what we see in your videos. Yeah, probably. And actually, you you mentioned that and I didn't even know that that was a thing. So that's something I'm (laughs) learning today, too. (laughs) Okay, post that on the TikTok. Let people know. Because I also noticed in you like in the comments of some of your videos, people were saying, like, I don't have this stuff in my Dollar Tree. And I figured, you know, that was the big difference. The you know, refrigerator or frozen, but yeah, that is in the store finder I noticed. So, and I, I do actually have a staggering amount of Canadian viewers and Canadian dollar trees don't have refrigerators or freezers. I assume because it would cost too much to import the food across the border of another country that would negate any potential profit that the company would make. But yeah, so I do have a lot of Canadian viewers and their stores just don't have fridges and freezers because they don't stock food essentially. Okay. Good to know. 
what kind of things don't make sense to buy a Dollar Tree if somebody, you know, has access to grocery stores? Because, you know, I think honestly, one of the common pitfalls of people that feel like they're overspending on groceries is that they don't shop around because they just want to go to one place and get everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, the the real big caveat to the $1.25 structure really comes down to canned goods. So canned beans and canned vegetables. A lot of times you can get those for between 50 cents and a dollar at most grocery stores, but because of Dollar Tree's $1.25 structure, and I do wish that they would they would change this, you know, as a company. I wish that they would offer a generic brand of canned vegetables and offer them at a two for a dollar 25 price or something like that. Because, you know, when it comes to other things in the store, there are other things they offer for less than a dollar 25, like their Hallmark cards. And I think they have single blocks of ramen and stuff like that. So their inventory system set up in a way that they could do a lower pricing structure, but it's really a missed opportunity, I feel like, for them to only offer canned goods at $1.25 when they're a lot cheaper other places. So we definitely want everybody checking out your TikTok, but we also wanted to know any other TikTokers you recommend for people who are looking to save some money? Well, that that requires me to make a confession. I don't spend a lot of time on TikTok <laughs> on my own channel. Okay. <laughs> I reply to comments and I spend a lot of time building the community, but i only follow like 20 people on TikTok and I don't really watch very many TikToks. I actually spend more of my free time on YouTube, surprisingly, than I do on TikTok. Do you know anybody over on YouTube you could recommend? Yeah. So in the same realm of the content that I make, there's a lady, um, her name is C. Lisa Dawn on YouTube. She does a lot of Dollar Tree cooking videos. I also follow channels like C. Mindy Mom, where she does Walmart and Aldi, but in the same like realm of like low budget, extreme budget grocery videos. And then there's a channel called Frugal Fit Mom that I watch a lot as well. Cool. Sticking with the TikTok angle, uh, I know that you mentioned you've only been doing this for seven months. Your numbers are incredible. Do you do you have like any sort of strategy or any tips that people could follow if they're trying to, you know, build an audience on there? Or is it really kind of what you see in the comments where people are always saying, like, I didn't expect this to blow up. I had no idea <laughs> that this was going to take off, you know? I really, I really didn't expect it to take off or blow up. Actually, my third video that I posted on TikTok went viral, and that was my KFC bowls from Dollar Tree. Um, so I don't really have any advice that I could particularly offer beyond just be yourself, be transparent and stay true to yourself. Because, you know, one of the things that I've built my audience on is never lying to them, always telling, you know, the true story, the whole story telling. So sometimes when I make like a certain video, like I did my Christmas dinner video. And one of the things is, if I say it's going to cost me $20, I mean $20. Like I don't go into it with, oh, it's $20, but I'm using eggs and butter and milk and spices and all of these things that I already have. I've always been very transparent about that kind of stuff. So whenever I'm making my content, I'm always being as transparent as I possibly can. I honestly love that because I cook a lot. Um, I enjoy cooking and I hate it when people don't list those things and the ingredients you need to pick up at the store. Cause like, what if I don't have six eggs at my house right now? Now I have to go back to the store because I have one egg, but now I need six eggs. Yeah. I, I always have this philosophy that, especially when it comes to people who create budget friendly food content, 
um, there's always this tendency to assume that everyone has eggs and milk and butter and spices, and they don't always have those things, especially people who rely on like food pantries or supplemental assistance programs. So I always say that just because you already have it doesn't mean it's free. Yeah. And they can be expensive too. Like I, um, I spent a few months living in New York city when I was still, you know, I was, I had just graduated college and everything is more expensive in a big city like that. And I went to the spice aisle and I was like, well, I can only afford to buy garlic, salt and pepper. So I guess that's going to be it. It just like didn't make sense. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure the honesty really resonates with people. And your first viral sensation was the KFC bowl, you said. That, <laughs> people love those videos. Does that speak to you? Well, th- not <laughs> not necessarily the KFC angle, but when people recreate things from fast food, that always resonates with people, right? Like, we're going to create the, the Taco Bell cheesy gordita crunch at Dollar Tree or something like that. It's fascinating, I always think, to see people recreate that stuff. Yep. And I think that that's, that's what it is. It's, it's a budget-friendly video. It's something people are familiar with because it's KFC Famous Bowl. But on top of that, it's made from the most unexpected place, which would be Dollar Tree. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe for some people, it's a fun, like, evening project like let's try to recreate it see how it goes see if we love it as much as we do the original yep anything else coming up for you within the next year what can followers expect uh <laughs> i plan my videos day by day and week by week so okay. it, i let the followers guide me and tell me where what they want me to do next and that's also kind of fun is there's this kind of back and forth between me and my audience where they can give me suggestions and i will take their suggestions and make them that's awesome. And that I, I imagine that's a reason, another reason why you've been so popular and successful on TikTok. You, you, you're down to earth, you're resonating with your audience, and you're truly trying to have like this relationship with them. And I'm sure people really appreciate that. Yeah. And to that point, I just want to let you know that we have a, a Discord for people that are uh, Patreon subscribers for our show. And there's somebody in there who said, I love her TikToks. So. Aww. That's so sweet. Thank you. Yeah, there's somebody that's already watching. That's Emily. Yeah, so definitely want everybody to uh, check you out. Where can we find you online? So it's at Dollar Tree Dinners, and that's both my tagline on TikTok and on YouTube. Those are really the only platforms that I am I am on besides my personal platforms. But if you want to find my recipes and my content, YouTube and TikTok are where I post them. Excellent. And listeners, we'll have links in the show notes and on our own social media. So do check out Rebecca of Dollar Tree Dinners. Thank you again, Rebecca, so much for coming on. Thank you for having me again. This has been great. All right, everybody, check out Rebecca at Dollar Tree Dinners. Even if you're not planning on shopping at a dollar store, this is super interesting to see how you can make some really good meals just by food shopping at a dollar store. I went to my local, like I mentioned in the interview, I went to my local dollar store, uh, Dollar Tree. They didn't have the refrigerated or frozen food. I'm going to check out another one because I'm very curious to see what they offer. Pam, have you tried to food shop yet at a dollar store? I haven't tried to food shop yet at the Dollar Tree, but Rebecca gave us some really good tips and I can always use, you know, pasta and grains in my house. Yeah. Just because, you know, that makes for a really quick dinner. So I'm really excited to head over and pick up some of that stuff because I think that that was really smart. And of course, as we all know, they have tons of other things there. Like I was looking at the picture frame aisle because picture frames can get pretty expensive. 
But all of them at the Dollar Tree, this sounds like an ad for Dollar Tree. It's really not. Um, they were all Dollar <laughs> 25. It's like, oh, geez, I really need to buy picture frames here. I actually spoke about, I think on the show, I may have cut this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I take a lot of photos. I need to start printing them out. When I finally do that, when I finally stop procrastinating, I'm going to go to the Dollar Tree and get picture frames for them, too. I mean, yeah, if we're talking about other stuff other than food. I, when we were planning this, I was telling Andrew that if I'm I, I like to craft every once in a while, uh, mostly because my toxic trait is seeing something cute online and then thinking to myself, I could make that. <laughs> so when that happens, I will always stop at the Dollar Tree first because they usually have a really good craft school supply aisle, anything like that. Yeah. So if you're particularly crafty, you're you're just looking for, you know, some new notebooks, a set of pens, some crayons, anything like that. Yeah. They always have a fantastic selection there. Yeah. I uh, saw Jesus candles, too, and St. Jude candles. I didn't buy them this time, but... My grandma's fave. (laughs) (laughs) We also wanted to talk today about this story, and you just have to roll your eyes at this. There is a pretty big report from Variety... Inside Netflix's Squid Game reality show disaster, the conditions were absolutely inhumane. So when did Squid Games air? Was it last year or 2021? I guess last year. I think it was last year. Yeah. What is time in COVID? And obviously, the show was very, very popular, very dark and dramatic and and deadly. And so the show is so popular that Netflix was that Netflix was like, well, why don't we do a real life squid game? (laughs) And of course, nobody's dying so far in this reality show production, but it hasn't been going well. Contestants say they never signed up for the physical ordeal that they've been through. Taping of the red light, green light game, which you see in the first episode of, of the original Squid Game, went on for seven hours. They initially had to hold their positions for two minutes, meaning they couldn't move at all for two minutes. But those hold times eventually stretched to 10 to 15 minutes. One time, they had to hold their position for 26 minutes. <laughs> That's crazy. Imagine if you stopped on one leg. I, I, yeah. And you're like, your arms are like reaching out in front of you or something. 26 minutes. The pauses were there so that judges could figure out who had to be eliminated. I guess they would kind of like go back to the tape to say, to see who was the last to move. They had fake blood packs hooked up to each contestant, which would then blow up if it was determined that, that, that they were going to be eliminated. So they weren't actually shot, but they had fake blood that would explode in their face. And another angle here, and and this is where a lot of the problems came in, it was very cold. They've been filming in recent months in England in a large hangar, so it's very hard to heat that type of building because it's so big. They were also wearing the jumpsuits seen in the show, so they weren't wearing jackets. Medics were called 11 times during this taping, and then, only after then, They started giving people relaxation breaks where they can move their body, but they couldn't move their feet. (laughs) It sounds like hell. What the hell? One contestant said, now, of course, Netflix denies uh, some of the allegations. But one contestant said, I've never been that cold for that long a period in my life. We couldn't feel our feet or our toes. It was ridiculous. Also, while the game was in production, that taping, I said, went on for seven hours No restroom or water breaks were allowed. That's awful. 
I, you know, I just, and there's 456 contestants, just like the game show, $456 million cash prize just for the game show. Look, the odds of of winning are so low. Why would you even bother with this? I and for that reason, I would not compete in such a thing. I I agree with you. I know I'm gonna not gonna be the last person standing in a Squid Games recreation. Yeah. So it seems just like a miserable time. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to watch, but yeah, it it, it looks horrible. Um, but this isn't the only Squid Game that's gotten in trouble, right? Right. So if anybody is aware of anything that's going on on YouTube. Even if you're not, you've probably heard the name Mr. Beast. He's the most popular creator on that platform right now. And shortly after the original Squid Game aired on Netflix, he actually recreated every single game and made a video where he hosted his own Squid Game. Um, This video is crazy for a number of reasons, namely that it cost Jimmy, who's Mr. Beast's real name, uh, $3.5 million to make, just to make. But I guess the return investment was pretty lofty because the video ended up racking up 100 million views in just four days over on YouTube. So to put that into a little bit of context for all of you that are listening, according to Netflix, in the first four weeks of its premiere, 142 million member households globally checked out Squid Game. Now, take that with a grain of salt, because this figure also came out at the time when Netflix was counting its views as anybody that tuned into a title for at least two minutes. Mm -hmm. So they're a little bit skewed. But the point is is that this video did very well for Mr. Beast. Um, But with popularity usually comes some scrutiny. And he actually ended up getting a lot of backlash for this, because the general consensus among the internet is that the video completely missed the point of the show <laughs> because it's basically just rich people using poor people for entertainment. Um, obviously, that's not everybody's opinion, but it was a really loud one. Yeah. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see if Netflix faces any backlash aside from the poor working condition information that's come out. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like the problems of like if you were to recreate the Hunger Games, those people were forced into the competition. They didn't really have a choice. And now Mr. Beast. Hmm? Do you think Lionsgate is like kicking <laughs> themselves for not doing this? Because obviously Netflix is getting away with recreating Squid Game. I bet the they dad. thought of it. I bet they thought of it. And I mean, <laughs> hey, when isn't that prequel movie coming out this year? Like they yeah. could still and do a Hunger they... Games if they wanted. Actually, didn't they say they were going to do a Hunger Games theme park? Yeah, that happened. There's like a Hunger <laughs> there Games. There is one? It's not in America, but it's overseas somewhere. Yeah, it's like all Lionsgate properties, right? Yeah, Lionsgate Park, whatever the hell. There's a Twilight one, too. And I don't know how good either of these are. If any of our listeners have have been to, here we go, the world of the Hunger Games. And yeah, everybody rolled their eyes at this because it's like, I don't want to live in district 12 i don't want to visit district 12 like yeah i'd love to see Peta and get some bread from him but that's like about it pan am aerial tour is one of the attractions at motion gate theme park dubai that's so that's where hungerland is they should have called it hungerland dubai is a i don't know it's a whole different world over there so that kind of tracks yeah yeah but anyway, um, so Mr. Beast actually got in a little bit of trouble 
recently again or some people say he he made a mistake i think i disagree do you want to tell us what went on there yeah so his content basically really revolves around him either putting on these elaborate uh game shows where people can win lots of money or he'll do something that's kind of more feel good like giving away cars or houses to people in need and so he basically did that recently and made headlines because the point of the video was that he paid for a couple thousand people to get eye surgery. So these people were legally blind for one reason or another, and he paid for the surgery and the whole video documents, you know, uh, them being able to see again. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about the controversy surrounding well, that? Well, I think people are uncomfortable with him doing this and then creating a video out of it. And then he gets the good publicity out of it. It feels disingenuous to some people. But his viewpoint, post-backlash, and I agree with this, he's in a sort of can't-win situation. He's got the money to do this for 100 people, which is great. He does it, but then broadcasts it and then gets in trouble. We often talk about the rich need to help the poor, you know, distributing wealth, that type of thing. And he's getting in trouble for doing exactly that. So I don't I don't mind like, sure, he could have done this privately, but he's a YouTuber. It's in his blood to do that type of thing, to film what he's doing. That's what YouTubers do. They capture their life. And so, like, sure, he could have done this privately, but I also understand why he made a video out of it. As long as these as long as it wasn't a situation where, like, he went to these people and said, hey, I'll pay to have this done for you, but you have to appear in my video. If he had a rule like that, that would be really shitty. But if all these people were happy with appearing in the video, what's wrong with this? Yeah, I I totally agree. I think that part of it, too, is that if he weren't making content like this that constantly goes viral and garners these insane views, then he wouldn't have the AdSense to put into doing something good like this. So it is kind of like a lose-lose situation on his part in some ways. You know, as far as some people are concerned, there's always going to be haters. And to your other point, too, I do think it's really interesting that a lot of the conversation surrounding billionaires is how you know, somebody like a Bill Gates or an Elon Musk could solve world hunger because they're so loaded, right? But if they did that, would they just receive backlash? Because, you know, someone's always going to nitpick and that's always going to take off. Yeah. And I think you do just have to hope that a lot of celebrities and people who are rich are privately making donations in the background without broadcasting it. Because if they don't broadcast it, you're never going to hear about it anyway unless the charity brings it up. So I think you just need to assume the best in people. Yeah, I think I think you can usually tell when somebody's heart is in the right place or they're they're doing it like out of some kind of genuine kindness, regardless of the return that they get from it. Um, a really good example of this that we were talking about when we were planning is Keith Lee, who a lot of you might have seen on TikTok. He reviews restaurants that are actually out in Andrew's neck of the woods in Las yeah. Vegas. And he's done really well and gone really viral for that. And the restaurants have also, because he focuses on helping restaurants that um, are struggling financially, 
they've actually seen a lot of success as a result of his publicity. And I think that most people can tell that he's very genuine in what he's trying to do. Yeah. So that's nice. And it's how he carries himself in his videos, too. Like, they're not your typical YouTuber, TikToker. They're not, like, high energy. It's him just talking straight into the camera, just being like, I went to this place. Here's what I thought. No frills. The only issue with something that, like, Keith Lee is doing is that he's so popular that when he does plug a restaurant and raves about it, these small restaurants who normally haven't been getting much business are now getting inundated and they have either too many customers, not enough staff, not enough um, ingredients, you know, food to continue making everything that he's recommending. But it's like, you can't blame Keith for that. I guess, I don't know what happens behind the scenes. Maybe Keith is like, hey, I'm going to post this video on Wednesday, February 8th. So just heads up, you might start getting a lot of business. Like hopefully he does something like that just so they can anticipate when all the business is suddenly going to come. But still, you got to have the staff. You got to get the people trained up. Like it's a huge process. So I love that he's doing this. I've bookmarked a couple of the places he's recommended and I look forward to checking them out since they are right here in town for me. But uh, what what's your read on Mr. Beast? Do you think he's like even outside of this video that we've been talking about? Do you think like he's genuinely a good guy? Uh, I I always want to believe the best in people, honestly. Uh, I think that's just my nature. I think that his whole th- gimmick is that he wants to give all his money away. And I feel like if that's his goal, then he's doing a pretty good job of it because he is consistently giving a lot of money away. And obviously, you know, like I said, that ends up amounting for him in lots of views. So he gets more ad revenue. but. I think as long as he continues to give a lot of that money away to just like normal people, he's essentially just putting his money where his mouth is. So how about that? You want to talk about the celebrity show? Oh, up? yeah. Just very quickly, though, like, obviously, we talked a lot about like public displays of charity, for lack of a better word. But I do think to a point that you brought up earlier, it always does mean more when you know that people are doing things quietly are doing good quietly. Unfortunately, we do live in a society that kind of values publicizing what you're doing to try to make it to try and make a difference in this world if you have a platform as a result of just the way social media works. But, you know, it's always to me like the feel good stories that always tug at my heartstrings a little more is when it comes out like months later that, you know, some big A-list celebrity just quietly went to go visit a children's hospital, for example. Yeah. And like didn't bring a whole camera crew with them to document yeah. their time visiting sick children. Yeah. Yeah. Because on the other hand, sometimes you'll see like presidents will do this a lot. It doesn't matter whether they're Democrat or Republican. They'll like go to a food kitchen and they'll be serving food for five minutes just for the photo op and then they'll leave right away. Mm-hmm. It's like maybe not literally five minutes, maybe a half hour, but it's just always that comes always comes off disingenuous to me. It's those stories like you're saying when people are doing this without bringing the camera crew and you hear about it, maybe because the hospital decided they wanted to share the story a month later. Or right. Or like, like some parent or friend yeah. was filming and was like, I have this cute video. Yeah. I remember after the horrible shooting at a movie theater in Aurora, Colorado. 
I seem to remember Christian Bale showing up at the hospital there and visiting victims. And it wasn't Christian Bale going on Twitter being like, look at me in the hospital. It was the victims who were recovering in the hospital. They said, holy shit, Christian Batman showed up and wanted to say hi. Like that's that's the cool part when when it's the person that they're surprising shares the photo and, and shares how much it means to them. Before we wrap up today, we wanted to talk about the Grammys, which were this past Sunday. Pam, I'm sure you sat through every minute of the Grammys. Of course I did. Okay. I watched the Grammys, but in the middle, I walked Brooklyn. We watched the latest episode of The Last of Us, and I went to the bathroom a few times. And I still feel like I saw like two and a half hours of the Grammys. Oh, and I got home late. <laughs> it was so long. It felt longer this year. Oh, really? Than it, yeah, it did feel longer. I, I thought we were going to wrap at eight. It wrapped almost at nine. I've gotten used to the Grammys running for close to four hours. They So they started at 5 p.m. Pacific. Like Pam's saying, it was closer to nine that they actually finished. Um, there was like a 10 minute version of God Did by DJ Khaled at the end. Yeah, we didn't need that. <laughs> Pat was like, um, wow, he ran outside really quick. I'm like, this was definitely pre-taped. He didn't just run outside of the arena. But um, what did you make overall of, of the Grammys? Or the any winners surprise you? Or Yeah, I mean, well, let's talk about like some of the performances were actually really good. Um, I really liked the tribute to hip hop. I thought that that, that was, was really amazing. well done. Yeah. And it was just so cool to see so many pioneers of that genre coming like the way that they were able to get so many people in yeah because it was the 50th anniversary of hip-hop of right? hip-hop yeah, yeah. Very and cool. we actually talked a little bit about that when we did our segment on gangsta's paradise oh yeah yeah so uh it's, it's actually kind of to me it was incredible to think oh like 50 years of hip-hop because hip-hop is still a very fairly new genre but yeah. i thought that whoever whoever produced that segment did a really really good job with it some of the speeches were good lizzo had a really good speech when she won record of the year yes okay i can never keep record versus album straight though harry styles won album of the year people were very upset it wasn't beyonce because she has missed out numerous times harry styles look i i don't mind harry styles I don't think it deserved album of the year, though. Do you? Do you think it should have been Beyonce? No, no, I don't think that Harry deserved album of the year. And I was I do this thing a lot where even if I like an artist, if I feel like they haven't put out their best body of work yet, I kind of just root for them to lose because I feel like them getting shut out of something big like the Grammys, which whether or not you like it still means a lot to a lot of people that are in that industry. It's a mile marker of success for some people for good or bad. Um, but I, I tend to root for people to lose if they haven't put out the best stuff. And I, it's just because I want them to be hungry to make something better. I want them to to go back into the studio with the momentum of feeling like they almost tasted greatness, but they didn't. Yeah. And so I I was very disappointed that Harry won for album of the year. Harry's House is an album is a good album in my opinion, but I don't think it's a great album and I don't think it's his best album. So it's very interesting that the Recording Academy went with that over some other people that were nominated including Beyoncé. It was a pretty stacked 
um, category this year. Yeah. I was thinking about this too. I've been thinking about it since Sunday. And I also, (laughs) I also kind of wonder if maybe I get that a lot of people think that the Recording Academy has it out for Beyonce. In some ways, I agree. Unfortunately, there is still a lot of work that needs to be done behind the scenes at the Recording Academy before we see a diverse group of people get the accolades they deserve. Yeah. But I am kind of wondering if putting Beyonce up against Adele means that the votes were a little bit more split, because we see that a lot, too, in terms of political elections as well. Mm, yeah. And and so then that would have perhaps made room for Harry to go in. Yeah. And win by default. Beyonce, while it was deserved, uh, she didn't win that. She did win Best Dance slash Electronic Recording and Best Dance Electronic Music Album. There may be a couple others scattered in there because there's a huge list of... Um, yeah, there are some other Grammys she won. She, she did become the most decorated Grammy award winner ever. Yes. And there is a, you know, to the point that people are making and rightly so, there's something to be said about the fact that most of the Grammys Beyonce has are for categories that are not considered like the big categories. And it's incredible that she is the most decorated Grammy winner. And yet she has lost out on album of the year numerous times. Yeah. Yeah. And also like, to a similar point, Lizzo won Record of the Year, which is the first time a Black woman has won that award since Whitney Houston won for I Will Always Love You. Yeah. Lizzo- so there is a diversity problem for sure. Like, there's no denying that. Lizzo's acceptance speech was really funny. She was like, and this was another thing I really liked about this year's Grammys. They put some of the bigger artists at these small tables together right up front. So they, you know, looks great on video watching these artists hanging out with each other in a very intimate space. But then Lizzo comes up on stage. She's like, I didn't even really care if I won this. I was just sitting there with Adele having a great time. It didn't matter. I thought that was a really funny comment. What did you make of um, for album of the year, which was the final award of the night? They had this like panel of super fans. That they would cut I to. Hated that. Okay, Pat didn't I like hated, that either. <laughs> I, I hated that, was that cool. entire concept. Here's the reason I didn't like it is because I think that the reason that they did it was first of all to bolster views, but it's also because the Grammys wants people at home to believe that they have a say in how these awards are handed out. When the reality is that the Grammys are an industry award and they're awarded by industry people, right? And so I feel like there's a disconnect between how the awards work, what the awards are supposed to mean, and what the categories by definition mean, and the way that they were justifying why these fans wanted people to win, which essentially just boils down to, I like this album, this is my favorite artist, and so that's why I think that they should win album of the year, song of the year. Interesting. Interesting. For me, it was like the music is about the fans, about the listeners. So that's why they were there. But I completely agree with that point. I I just thought it was a fun twist. I didn't like that they would cut to the fan panel and hear them talk. But I thought it was cute at the end to have the Harry Styles super fan announce that it was Harry Styles. That was very sweet. I I also think in general, I 
I really feel like we need to get away from being as a as a society. We need to get away from being disrespectful when someone else wins over the person that you think should have won. And I get that it's really frustrating, but there is no reason why anybody in that room should have been screaming, get off the stage. Beyonce should have won. Wait, somebody was screaming that? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's uncalled for. I can send you so many TikToks. And I just think it's like, it's really sad. And I feel awful because poor Beyonce does not ask to be included in that narrative. Right. And yet it's always Beyonce. Yeah. It's always Beyonce fans who are like so upset that she hasn't won. And I get it. Yeah. But there's no reason why you have to be an asshole about it. You know, it's not appropriate. Yeah. It's not like Harry Styles is out there like buying the votes. So we think. Right. Well, it's not his fault that he won. Yeah. No, I I, and I don't think to, to that point, I don't think he thought he was going to win. He looked absolutely shocked. Yeah. I mean, like you said, that category was stacked. So it really was anybody's game, I guess. Yeah. Harry Styles made the comment, this doesn't happen to people like me, which didn't go over well. He was referring more to his roots. But the when you say something like that, after being so successful, you're, it, it comes across like you haven't had success you just kind of stumbled into your latest album and it blew up unexpectedly like not the best choice of words right i think it was i think it's been uh blown out of proportion i don't i I don't think it was genuinely meant with any malice but i do think it comes across like to your point a little tone deaf because you know first of all he's a a white man (laughs) and a white (laughs) cis man for all we know and we see white men win all the time. Yeah. And then there's Beyonce, who's a black woman who is the most decorated, has never won album of the year. There's so many women in that category. You also have Bad Bunny had a fantastic year. I would argue Bad Bunny is first and foremost, like the most streamed artist worldwide as of last year. He had incredible success with his album, Un Verano Sinti, and that also didn't get the accolades it deserves. So it just it feels a little... Off and I get that he was. It, it, I I don't doubt that it, it is a sentiment that he truly feels, and in a lot of ways, he Harry Styles kind of does have a little bit of a Cinderella story, just by sheer fact that he came out of a um a reality competition series. Mm-hmm. You know, like his roots are fairly humble in that regard. But I also think it doesn't sit well with people because he was you know, 17, I think. Yeah. On the X Factor. So he didn't really have to live very long in obscurity before he shot to stardom. Yeah, just on its face. Like, unless you're going to explain that. He didn't explain it. He just said, this doesn't happen to people like me. You need to add a little context after all your success in recent years. But uh, any other thoughts you want to get out there about the Grammys? No, I just feel like everybody in that room needs to look like they're having more fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh! you didn't like how Ben Affleck looked super bored and needed a Dunkin' Donuts? He looked so disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people just look really bored. And I get it because, like, it's very long. But if you're going to be in the line of sight of the camera, you should at least be looking like you're having a good time. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, they need to be fed more or they need to be, uh, the, the alcohol needs to be coming a little more frequently. Maybe. Or maybe they just need to be told in advance, hey, you should be expecting to sit here for four hours. Like, I don't know. Who else looked really bored? Anybody you really noticed? Um, 
Ben's been getting memed all week. Yeah, Ben looked really bored. A lot of them looked really bored. You know what? I was mostly surprised that people looked really bored during the Motown tribute with Stevie Wonder. Because I was sitting at home on my couch and I'm like, it's Stevie Wonder and Smokey Robinson. All of these songs are iconic. <laughs> Nobody is singing along. They finally panned to like Chris Martin and he was like, really getting into it. And I appreciate that. Nice. I missed that. I, I, Maybe that's when we were watching The Last of Us. I was going to say, maybe that's when you were walking Brooklyn. <laughs> this is the best way to watch the Grammys. You do like three other things away from the Grammys in the middle of the Grammys, and you'll still see a ton of the Grammys. We also have to plug the memes that Chloe made uh, inspired by the Grammys. She took several photos from the nights and memed them. So definitely check those out on our social media channels. All right. Well, I think that does it for today's episode of the show coming up in After Dark. Super Bowl Sunday is coming up. And in light of the sexy M&Ms getting canceled and this whole publicity stunt seems to be leading towards some new M&M commercial during the Super Bowl, I'm assuming. We wanted to talk about them getting canceled, that whole ordeal. I'm going to play an insane clip from Tucker Carlson over a year ago. And we're going to talk about the cartoon characters of popular brands that we would like to fuck or maybe not fuck. So that'll be a very unhinged edition of today's After Dark, available at patreon.com slash millennial. Thanks to everybody who supports us because we could not do it without you. And let's jump over to some recommendations now. Since I talked about it on just a couple of minutes ago, I'll recommend Bad Bunny's last album, Un Verano Sinti, if you haven't listened to that. It's a really good summer album. Um, and I think that... If you're just looking for something that's really high energy and you haven't checked it out for one reason or the other, it's a good one and you shouldn't skip out. Okay. I want to recommend Jicama Raps. Have you heard of these? <laughs> yes, but they're but it's because I, I'm actually kind of mad about these because I feel <laughs> like they're driving up the price of Jicama, which is something that I've been eating since I was little. Oh. And used to be able to get a used to be able to get a head of Jicama. For like 99 cents. And now I can't find a jicama for under three bucks. No. I know. Well, the reason these came on my radar is because I saw them on Shark Tank a few weeks ago. And they're street taco sized, what look like tortillas. They're native to Mexico and South America. And they're basically, jicama wraps themselves are basically super healthy alternatives to a traditional tortilla. And again, street taco size. But Trader Joe's sells these. They're available at Sprouts too, and I'm sure some other places. They're refrigerated. And I use these for tacos and they're really great. And if you're looking to cut some calories, maybe if you're looking for an alternative for the tacos, because I'm the type of person who wants to eat like eight tacos and I'd prefer to not have eight tortillas with it. This is a great alternative. 15 calories for two of these jicama wraps. And they've got a bit of an apple taste to them. So your tacos are going to taste a little apple-y. But I put some chicken on these and my normal taco ingredients, and I thought it was really good. So these are kind of my new thing. Yeah, I have like a little... Um, these confuse me because I've never had jicama hot. Is it is it like, does it heat up really well? Yeah, I put it on the stovetop. What I really like about them is that they're soft and yet still crunchy. And they don't break apart. 
so yeah, I do put them on there for a few minutes. I guess you can still kind of taste a little bit of the cold. I could probably cook them a little longer, maybe. I haven't tried them hot, hot, but um, yeah, I just, I, I love the texture. Crunchy, yet soft. That's interesting. All right. Well, make sure you're following the show for free in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode and leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I mentioned that new review at the top of the show. I'll include it next week once Laura is back. If anybody else is looking to uh, brighten Laura's day because she's still down from that review last week, um, feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts (laughs) or Spotify. If you have any feedback about today's episode, you can email millennialshow at gmail.com or you can use the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. And last but not least, you can follow us on social media. We're Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And then over on TikTok, we are Millennial Pod. Thanks. That sounded so like going through the motions. We are Millennial Pod. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Pamela. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.